Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. It is the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So we we were talking before the show that uh, it's been a been a busy day for, for news. We got a lot of news to get to this evening. Which is weird because normally news will break on Thursdays and yeah. one of us will text the other like, of course this is going to be released the day <laughs> after we do the show. So we have to wait a whole week to talk about it. So we got lucky. Yeah, so uh, is there anything you want to throw out there before we move into the news right off the bat? No, no, I think I'm good. Let's dive right in. All right, let's do it. Pretty sure we're going to have a lot to say about this first story. And, uh, of course, all of tonight's stories come to us via nerdcaveretro at gmail.com by Armez Jackson. Mr. I Am The Rampage, and Donner Party of Five. So if you have a news story you would like us to cover, please send it to that email address. This first story tonight is from NintendoLife.com. Nintendo issues copyright strike against scanned Super Mario 64 guide from 1996. That's all. I mean, do we need to even go past the headline? No. No, we really don't. Here, here's my thing about it. And I, I would say this to Nintendo. I mean, they're not listening, but I'm going to pretend that they are. In the grand scheme of things, what does this matter? Yeah. <laughs> How is this hurting you? It's from 1996. It's yeah. from like 25 years ago. Who cares? So on Nintendo Life, they reported last week that there was a stunning collection of online scans from the 1996 Super Mario 64 guide, a true relic that would likely cost a hefty sum if you wanted a physical copy today. Thanks to an update from Kotaku, uh, it is now reported that the scans have now been taken offline after a copyright strike from Nintendo of America, which Internet Archive passed on to the original uploader Comfort Food Video Games. Nintendo gun and Nintendo. And they wonder why a lot of people don't like them. So because so that this this is what it is. They're being a bully in this situation. Is it technically their IP? Yes. But you're not making money off of it. Exactly. You you are not using it to make any type of money. Yes. So it goes back to my original point in the grand scheme of things. What does it matter? And if there, if you, why, if they don't want people doing this and putting this stuff online, like they did with the Nintendo power issues a while back that they had taken down, then why don't you put them up yourselves? Because you're obviously like who you're not making any more money off of this stuff at this point. It's, 
you're talking about the Super Mario 64 guide from 1996. You're not selling any more of these things. The only way they're making money is people who already own them and are selling them on eBay. You're not getting any of that money anyway, Nintendo. So what does it freaking matter if somebody puts it online for free for people to look at? Nobody's making money off of this. Like, what is your problem? I don't understand. It's like they don't understand and I get it. I, I understand copyright. I understand you have to protect your trademarks. You have to protect your copyrights. But in cases like this, this is, you said it, they're being a bully and they don't understand the internet. They don't understand our community. And I just, I, I, I'm so angry at Nintendo right now <laughs> over this. Well, you hit the nail on the head whoever did this is not making any money off of it so what what harm is it really doing besides oh it's getting a a relic from you know gaming generations past if this is what nintendo should do because i know they got to have digital copies of nintendo power mm-hmm. and maybe even some of their old guides yeah why not put them on their website yeah why not it, it's easy just like Hey, do you remember this magazine that we used to have back in the day? Well, you can go to our website and you can read every single issue from issue one to whenever the last one was. If you want to look at the old power, like I would love to look at, say, a digital version of like the link to the past strategy guide or the earthbound strategy guide. If you're going to complain that much, it's like that, that old saying, if you have a problem or if you bring a problem, bring a solution. Yeah. All they're doing is bringing a problem because they're shutting all these sites down, but you're not solving the problem. Like people are going to keep doing it as long as Nintendo is not. And he mentions it in his uh, statement here, the guy that uploaded it. While I fully understand protecting one's IP and copyrights, I didn't think I was hurting anyone by scanning and uploading a 27-year-old guide that is extremely out of print. Truthfully, I think it helps Nintendo... I do too, while only hurting the people selling this guy for literal hundreds of dollars. All I wanted to do was spread my love of this incredible guide and to a larger extent my love for the company. I'm a rookie to the video game preservation scene, but I can't think of anything more depressing than how it's a bunch of hardworking people spending their free time and money painstakingly archiving and preserving history while major corporations like Nintendo are doing nothing to help. In fact, they're actively hindering the cause. Couldn't have said it better myself. Could not have said it better yep. myself. Nintendo, I'm just going to say it. I hope someone somewhere in Nintendo of America hears this or gets wind of it. I'm just going to say, you guys, you suck. Bullies. You suck. That's all there is to it. You just suck. You don't understand preservation. You don't understand the internet. You don't understand gaming culture. And you're doing nothing but harming your reputation by doing this kind of stuff. And I hate it. And I hate you. And I wish you wouldn't do stuff like this. I I love you, but I hate you, Nintendo. You put out some of the best games that this world has ever seen. But when it comes to preservation, preserving your past... And giving us the things that brought us joy as kids that we can't go purchase. I can't go purchase an entire run of Nintendo Power. I can't. And if I did, if I wanted to, I couldn't afford to. Because if you go on eBay, it's out of my price range. So why not put it online for us to see? I don't understand why Nintendo hates the internet. 
I need to get my blood pressure down. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about another gaming company. Yeah. How, how about that? Let's do that, so, please. Yeah. So our next story comes to us from blog.playstation.com. All new PlayStation Plus launches in June with 700 plus games and more value than ever. I saw quite a few people sharing this on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Mm -hmm. So th this is a pretty big deal. Since launching PlayStation Plus in 2010, Sony Interactive Entertainment has been at the forefront of innovation with game subscription services. We were thrilled to be the first console membership service that included a refreshed library of games through PlayStation Plus and also launched the first console game streaming service with PlayStation Now. Today, we are pleased to share with you official news about changes coming to our subscription services. This June, we're bringing together PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now in an all-new PlayStation Plus subscription service that provides more choice to customers across three membership tiers globally. Uh, Focus is providing high-quality curated content with a diverse portfolio. You don't say. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so I, I won't go through every single detail with the, with the prescriptions because it's quite a bit of information, but there's yeah. three different tiers. There's PlayStation Plus Essential, which includes two monthly downloadable games, uh, exclusive discounts and more for in the United States, $9.99 a month. Yeah, it's or if you want to pay annually, it's, it's what PlayStation bucks. Plus is now. It, it, yep. it does not change. That's what the essential is. Yep. Uh, plus Extra will provide all the benefits from Essential tier and Robert. adds a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games. That is $14.99 a month or $100 a year. And PlayStation Plus Premium provides all the benefits from Essential and Extra, which adds up to 340 additional games, including PS3 games via cloud, a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PS2, and the very rarely talked about PlayStation Portable, and time-limited game trials will also be offered. And that is $18 a month or $120 per year. Which is not, I'm not bad, because that's only $3 I, I was, more than the middle tier. I was about to say, I'm going to be completely honest. If I were to get one of these, I'd pay the little bit of extra money and I'd get the premium. The only thing I don't $18 like a month with it, all that is not bad. The games that are cloud streaming. I've used PlayStation Plus before streaming, and it's not great. Yeah, the the thing with the cloud is that it 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 just so dependent on internet connection, and I I don't think that's right. Like I I get the idea of it, and I think it's great in theory, but when you do it practically, it just doesn't really work. Yeah. So could it be an option? Yes, but I think every game you should have the option to be able to download it to your console yeah that's what i would much rather do is have it all local because i've tried streaming on playstation plus and i end up getting kicked off every single time i've tried to stream something or it starts to lag out really bad and i have a fast internet connection um i have a gamer streaming package but it's just until they can perfect streaming or let me download things to my hard drive i i mean i just i mean i might end up doing it because I, I this would give me a reason to get a ps5 i haven't really had a reason until now um i haven't really ha been 
excited to make that jump to the next generation, be it PlayStation 5 or, you know, the new Xbox. Neither one of them have really given me a reason to make that jump, but this might be the thing that pushes me towards one or the other, honestly. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Despite the cloud streaming, I, I still think if I were to do one of these, I would just go all out and pay the the $18 because you you can get the classic PlayStation games like you can download those which would really appeal to me because I'd want to play the old PlayStation and PS2 games and I never had a PS or a PSP so I'd be curious to check out those as well yeah that would be worth it alone because uh, from what I hear the PSP was actually a really good handheld system it just Sony kind of dinged it off the pipe with that one they didn't really mark it I thought they didn't really invest they didn't really invest into it like they should have yeah I, re- I think if they would have invested it into it hardcore and then really tried to compete with Nintendo with the, the with the uh, the DS or the what was it at the time 3ds um yep. I think they could have really given them a run for the money but I kind of feel like PlayStation is a little timid when it comes to challenging Nintendo. Yeah, but I'd say why not? Yeah. To be honest. That's still it's not a bad price. $18 a month or $17.99 a month. Um you could do $120 yearly, which is what I would probably do because it's probably way cheaper to do a yearly annual membership. Um mm-hmm. you know, it's it's okay. It's not great, but you know, this is an early step and I think uh eventually, you know, PlayStation might you know, they're going to build onto it. This is a really good starting point, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Uh for our next story, uh from gameinformer.com, Sega and General Mills team up for the Sonic the Hedgehog cereal. Ahead of next week's anticipated release of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sega and General Mills have announced a partnership to bring the spiky blue hedgehog to breakfast nooks nationwide. General Mills will be releasing two Sonic-branded food products with the obligatory breakfast cereal uh, featuring honey-flavored rings with Spin Dash and Chaos Emerald marshmallows. This cereal is going to be uh, going all out on representing Sega's mascot. There's also a fun back-of-the-box activity for a speedy way to start the day. Um, and what is the other thing that they're doing? Uh, they're doing, uh, the Sonic, um, fruit snacks, which we don't have any details yet. I mean, I feel like I'm obligated to get both. I mean, I'm going to get these. Uh, I have a box. I still have my box of, uh, Super Mario cereal, so I'm going to get the Sonic cereal. I mean, why would I, why wouldn't I? Yeah, I'll probably get a box to keep just as a keepsake, but then I'm curious to actually try it. If if I didn't think it was disgusting to eat on the air, I would say sa- I would do I would sample the cereal during the show. Think of all the worst things you could eat on the air to try. Cereal would be right up there. <laughs> I feel like I should get a box of this, pour a bowl, and then take a picture of myself at the movie theater waiting to see the Sonic movie yeah. while eating Sonic cereal. Uh, I agree, Rampage. I you know I've heard that ex- uh, Rampage in the chat room talking about. Xbox has a much better streaming service. I agree, but it's still, it's really, there hasn't been enough to lure me to buy a new console, really. I, there's, 
I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just getting old or, or what's going on, but I'm just not excited about this new generation of consoles. I'm just not. Yeah, I'm not really either. And I know it's going to sound like I'm, you know, waving the show's flag, but I just still have more fun going back and playing old games. Me too. Like, I'd much rather go back and play, you know, something on the Super Nintendo or I don't know, just yeah. something old. Well, and like before, you know, we went to Orlando a couple of weeks ago, I started playing through Earthbound again. Well, and that's what I've been playing, and I I beat it you know, yesterday. Yeah. So I'll move, I'll move on to something else, but that's what I do is I just keep going back to the classic games. Yeah, because that's when gaming was great. Exactly. Let's see. Our next story comes to us from bloodydisgusting.com. I never thought we'd be reading a story from them. <laughs> Throwback horror game Nun Massacre lands on Switch and PlayStation March 24th. That sounds like it should be on the Sci-Fi channel. <laughs> uh Puppet Combo are back once again with a surprise release for Nun Massacre. Already out on PC, the game will be released on PS4, PS5, and the Switch on March 24th. As with many of Puppet Combo's games, Nun Massacre is a stealth horror title that utilizes low-poly PS1 graphics to keep with the 80s aesthetic. The story is simple. A letter has arrived at your house under mysterious circumstances. It seems that your daughter has fallen ill at her boarding school. As you make a trip to pick her up, a storm blows in and the road is blocked. You continue on foot through the woods. And of course, all hell breaks loose. Uh, you'll be able to use multiple masks and costumes while you stealthily make your way through the game that's once again drenched with gore. You know what? I might have to download this and do this for Halloween Horror Month. I think that's a great idea. I, just the name alone None sells massacre. me. Like, it's, it's like you hear the name and you're like, oh, tell me more. You know what's I, funny? I have to know what this is. Like Nintendo would have never let a game like this happen on the, you know, on the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo because they were always the family-friendly console. But nowadays you're like, on the Switch, yeah, I can get None Massacre. But this would have been a staple on the Genesis. Oh yeah, this would have been this would have been like Genesis being like, "We have the games Nintendo, Nintendo don't." <laughs> Get to go into the whole campaign they used to do. Yeah, I I'm not gonna lie, I'm very very curious about this game. It looks like a crazy '80s movie that I would have watched over and over again. So I, I think I'm gonna have to get this for Halloween Horror Month. It sounds like either an 80s horror film or something that you would see at like one o'clock in the morning on the oh, sci-fi yeah. channel. Oh, this is front page on Shudder right here. This is like right oh, in your face. Oh, yeah, e even better. Hey, you want to see something cool, kids? Nun Massacre. Uh, Nun Massacre coming <laughs> to Shudder Friday night. Uh, on this next story is also from Nintendo Life. eShop closure be damned. This dev is bringing seven Count them, seven new games to the 3DS and the Wii U. Why would you work so hard for the Wii U? I just don't understand. Nintendo didn't, so why should anyone <laughs> yeah. else? Australian indie developer Gerald Dule has announced that he's bringing seven new titles to the Wii U and the 3DS eShops later, later this year, um, despite the fact that Nintendo is closing the digital storefronts, storefronts for the two systems. Um, he states... Uh, we have announced seven new titles uh, to launch exclusive on Nintendo Wii U and 3DS. What? Why? 
in response to Nintendo's recent announcement of the end of the eShop sales for Wii U and 3DS. And as a result of significant fan demand, we are bringing seven final games to these consoles. Most of the games we had in development for the Wii U and 3DS already, but either moved main development to the Switch or canceled entirely. After some discussion with Nintendo, we are organized bringing these titles back to the Wii U and 3DS as a way to celebrate those consoles and the eShop. And for the Wii U, you have Silver Falls White Inside, it's Umbra. That's a name for a game right there. Uh, Silver Falls Undertakers and Silver Falls Gaiden. I imagine that's people, that's some sort of game people know, uh, franchise, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. And uh, coming to the 3DS, you have Silver Falls. Uh, they sure like the name Silver Falls. Guardians and Metal Exterminators, uh, Vicarious Brothers, Ghoul Busters, and Gaiden as well coming to the 3DS. I think they're trying to break Kingdom Hearts <laughs> tenure as like having the most games in a single franchise. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I give them credit for seeing their vision through like they developed these titles for these specific consoles and they're going to release them regardless of the fact that the eShop on both systems is closing. But at the same time, I feel like it, it's like a it's like a chain that's about to go out of business and they <laughs> introduce a brand new product. Like they, they announced, okay, we're closing March 31st, but March 1st, we're going to unveil a whole new, yeah, whole new line of supplies that you can buy for how, one month only. How hard would it be to just make these available on the switch? I wouldn't think it would be that hard. It, sh it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that's weird. When you're yeah. so committed to a, a console, you're just like, screw Nintendo, we're going to put these seven games out for these systems that after the end of this year, you're not going to be able to buy anyway. Like, what are you doing? I feel like that should be the name of this week's show is Screw Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> the Screw <laughs> Nintendo podcast. You're pissing yeah, exactly. us off, Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of Nintendo, this <laughs> is from Nintendo of America on Twitter. Uh, this this is really no surprise. There's a video that you can you can watch, but the the sum of it is, Breath of the Wild two has been delayed to the spring of 2023. It was originally slated to come out sometime this year. We thought maybe it would come out for the holidays, but yeah. I I don't want to speak for you, but this didn't surprise me in the absolute slightest. I, they they give the reason of they just need more time. Which it's Zelda, so it's like I know I'm gonna have a little more bias on that than other Nintendo properties. So I'm of the mindset I would rather them put out a game that's gonna be the best that it can because that's yeah. really what Nintendo does. They don't do patches really like other game companies do. This is really, but, I mean, this is kind of this is just Nintendo. Like they're known for this type of stuff, so. And like they, they never really said definitively. I don't think that it was going to be this year, but that's you why know, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because they don't usually have hard release dates until like you know a couple of months beforehand, or they like to just drop it that day. They're like, "Hey, such and such is coming, and it's available now." You know, they're not known for 
putting stuff out there way in advance. They already got burned with Metroid. So, you know. In the trailer they released, though, there is a little bit of new footage, which includes a broken Master Sword. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that that's going to play heavily into the story. I wonder if they're going to release, and I, I get her name wrong, but I don't know if you ever played Skyward Sword, but there's a, a being that follows you around named Fi or Fee. Yeah. And at the end of the game, her essence is put into the Master Sword to sleep forever. So I wonder if, because in Breath of the Wild 2, part of the game takes place in the sky. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if the Master Sword being broken brings her out. And she's like your companion. It, it looks almost like Link has like a, I don't know if it's a glove or like a prosthetic hand. Yeah. But it it, mm. it looks, it, it looks interesting. Like I, I'm intrigued by the story and as far as what they're going to do, especially with the broken sword. But that also tells me the broken weapon mechanic isn't going away. Oh, <laughs> I was so hoping they wouldn't get rid of that. Yeah. Or at least give me a way to repair the thing if they're going to break the most powerful weapon in the game <laughs> imagine what they're going to do just like a standard sword or you know whatever you can find yeah, regarding the but, last story rampage in the chat room says it's not on the switch because they're only on good consoles wow wow so you're telling me <laughs> the wii u is better than the switch is that what you're saying right now is that what we'll you're saying? wait We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as like I said before, Nintendo didn't care to put any time in the Wii U. So yeah, why should anyone else? Yeah, I'm excited for uh, Breath of the Wild too. I, you know, I love Breath of the Wild one. The only thing that drove me nuts about that game was the 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 breaking uh, weapon mechanic, which was just dumb. But Hopefully they get rid of it, and if they don't, at least give me a way to repair. what. Because sometimes you get a weapon that you're just like, oh, this is awesome. And I just want to repair it and keep it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think uh, Rampage responds. Yeah, he says, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, nothing to say about <laughs> well, that. Well, huh? <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm going to play Breath of the Wild, too. It's going to be a day one purchase for me. And I, I'm uh, seeing that little bit of new footage does very much intrigue me on where they go with the story, because there, there's all these crazy theories going around that it might tie into Sy Skyward Sword. Or what if it's a prequel to Skyward Sword? I don't think it's that. But it is interesting. Yeah, and that's all I'll say. So this last story is, uh, is this yours or mine? I forgot. The, uh, that is yours. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, from the, this is our last story for tonight from NintendoLife.com. 2D platformer The Cub brings inside vibes to the Switch. New 2D 2D platformer will be make its, making its way to Switch, courtesy of publisher Untold Games and developer Demagogue Studio. The Cub tells the tale of a young boy who alone on a desolate version of Earth must escape the clutches of the humans who have long since escaped Mars. Uh, reminds, reminds them of a lot of Playdead's Inside, which I don't really know what they're talking about there. I've never played it Inside. Uh, has a sharp focus on platforming and avoiding creatures and obstacles. Uh, Demagogue Studio states that the game takes inspiration from classic Sega games of the 90s, including The Jungle Book, Aladdin, and The Lion King. 
chances are it'll be fairly challenging experience. I mean, it it does look like a game straight out of the 90s as far as gameplay goes, but the graphics remind me of like a modern day cartoon that you was like that that CG animation. Yeah. I think I think more of that than I do like a like a Genesis or an SNES game as far me, as graphics go. It gives me some vibes of the uh, the game Flashback and um what was the other game that was like Flashback back in the day where it was rotoscoped um mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of that other game, and now I can't think of it. It'll it'll hit me in a bit, but it's kind of got yeah. that vibe to it to me, like the the way the 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 graphics look. Yeah, it it looks gorgeous, and I, I'm I'm curious to know more about it. Yeah, you know, I'd love to play a demo of it to yeah. see if it would be if it'd be worth purchasing. It's definitely got a moody vibe to it, and I like it. Hmm. But uh, that's it for the news, and we're going to go ahead and move into this month in video game history. On March 20th of 1995, Nintendo releases the Game Boy Play It Loud series, color clear versions of the Game Boy. Ah, how we liked everything to be clear and colorful in the 90s. I don't... I don't know what the fascination with that was because I remember the clear N64. I don't know if you remember that, like the lime green one. Oh, yeah. That yeah. they released. There was just this weird fascination. But I mean, I I thought it was cool, too, you know, as a kid when you had that big gray brick of the Game Boy and then you're like, oh, I can get a red one. I can yeah. get a clear one. I can get a yellow one. I remember always being upset because the blue one was like a Europe exclusive. And that was the one I wanted because hmm. it's my favorite color. But we eventually got more options. It is, it's very interesting to see the evolution of the Game Boy from that to the Play It Loud Game Boys to the Game Boy Pocket. Then we eventually got the Game Boy Advance and that evolved into the DS. But yeah. the Game Boy had a, a very interesting life, in my opinion. I just don't know why we were so obsessed with everything being clear back in the 90s because it's so cool to see the inside of all the circuitry and how everything works clear phones clear boom boxes clear game boys clear gaming consoles there were clear boom boxes yeah i've never seen one before i'll have to look that up later everything was clear in the 90s okay that that might sell me on the clear stuff because clear (laughs) boom box actually sounds kind of cool uh, March 22nd of 1999, Roller Coaster Tycoon is released by Hasbro Interactive for Windows. I never played Roller Coaster oh. Tycoon, but I know several people that did. I was, was talking with a few friends, actually, the other day. We were talking about you know, games from that era, and they were like, do you ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon? And they went on and on about it. Oh, Roller Coaster Tycoon is great. I wish they would put out a new version of Roller Coaster Tycoon. I just can't play those games because they will suck up every bit of time that I have. Oh, yeah. I think I have Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 or 4 on Steam. It's so good. You should get it. (laughs) Uh, You'll never hear from me again. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. March 5th of 2001, Rare releases uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day for the Nintendo 64, which I believe you reviewed that right here on the show. Yep, uh, a while back, actually. And it was one of the first games that I thought of to review 
when we had the idea of doing this show because I still think to this day it's one of Rare's most underrated games. I hate that they didn't ever make a sequel to it. I would love to see Conquer come back in some way. I think that universe and it being so different than like your family friendly platforming genre yeah. was actually really cool. But I, I, I won't go too much into it because I know I've talked about this game quite a bit you know, through previous episodes, but I truly think that had this game not been released when it was, because it was right at the tail end of the N64's lifespan, it would not have been as adult as yeah. it was. Because I think at that point, Nintendo was like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. Yeah, until Rare becomes their own company again, I don't think they'll ever get to play nice with Nintendo again. Which is a shame. It really is a shame because that was just such a perfect marriage between companies. Yeah. And to close us out for this month in video game history and for the month of March, March 22nd, 2002, Capcom releases Resident Evil for the GameCube. I remember this being a big deal because I thought to myself, I never thought I would see the day when a Resident Evil game was on a Nintendo console. Yeah, I love the Resident Evil remake they made for the GameCube. It's the same one I played on the the Switch uh, Mm -hmm. last year, and it still holds up really well. A lot of people I know that that played this game echo your sentiments. Like this game was pretty popular when it came out, and I, I think I it was partially because no one expected it to be available for a Nintendo console. Yeah. Um, but before we go into our review tonight, Derek has shoutouts. Yep, as always, we like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash retro. We want to shout out Tyler Watson. Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, Steph Sargent Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, Ron Johnson, Mixmaster, Mike Eveland, Jennifer Eveland, Brandon Rutledge, and the returning Donner Party of Five, not just to the Patreon, but it was good to see him in the Discord a couple of days ago, so... Uh, Welcome back to him. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro where you'll get early access to our fun commentary tracks. Like this past week, we recorded two episodes of the X-Men animated series from the 90s. And I was shocked when I realized that we had never watched an episode of that show because it's it's one of the most iconic cartoons of our generation. And it's so 90s, it hurts. Yeah. you, you'll get to hear all about it you know, if you subscribe to Patreon and you listen to it. It, it was really a lot of fun. And I was glad that we did both episodes, yeah, too. Yeah, that was a really fun episode to do. Yeah, it, it really was. But if you want early access to those, if you want to help out the show, head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media info, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or your email, so we can give you a proper shout-out. And... Uh, <laughs> My girlfriend sent me a text that said uh, uh, that Roller Coaster Tycoon is her favorite and sent me a gif of the the roller coaster flying off the track and (laughs) exploding (laughs) onto the ground. (laughs) Like, that's awesome. I want to do stuff like that in the game right now. Exactly. Kill all my little people. So that's what you get for going to my roller coaster thing. Well, that's what, that's what you do with those games. You build everything up just to tear it down. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, we got to tell you about B-Res Coffee Company. 
Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. They can even add flavors to your coffee like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Slayer Mocha Roast or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, Derek is talking about... You can always count on a Disney game to uh, to have some some pretty good music. Oh, yeah. So we are closing out Disney month with Mickey's Speedway USA, which is a Disney racing game for the Nintendo 64 and Game Boy Color. I'll be talking about the Nintendo 64 version. I, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Tyler Watson because he recommended this a few mm-hmm. weeks ago in the in the discord. So I had never played this game i knew of it vaguely like i knew the name but really nothing beyond that so i was really curious to to try it out because i'm always curious about racing games from that era because and we'll go ahead and get this out of the way because i i feel like it's almost unfair in some ways you can't help but compare it to mario kart yeah I was when you ask. play it because <laughs> because it it follows that same formula you select you know, from several different characters, some have better uh, at top speed, some have better acceleratability, some are more balanced. You race through different tracks, you can pick up different items to help either help your progress or impede your opponent's progress. And this might be a, a ripoff of, uh, you know, Mario Kart, but it was developed by Rare. Well, that was my other thing, too, is that it was developed by rare, which I had no idea that they made this game. So that it increased my expectation a little bit when I started playing it for the first time, but, and this actually makes sense because rare also made Diddy Kong racing. This is much more of a Diddy Kong racing clone Hmm. than it is a Mario Kart clone. And the big reason why I say that is because this game actually has a storyline which is a rare thing, no pun intended, for a racing game. And that, as I like that about Diddy Kong Racing as well. But in the story of this game, uh, Mickey's dog Pluto is kidnapped by the weasels. And basically what you have to do is you go to these different tracks because you're, you find these postcards of the weasels and Pluto in different locations around the world. So then you go to these locations, you race through them, then you find the other postcard and you keep going. And it, it's it's organized like Mario Kart in the sense that there are different classes and different tracks that you can go through. There's, 
I think three or four per per cup, if you will. Like they're not called cups in this game, but you you understand my meaning. Yeah. Um, you've got a few different characters to choose from. There's not a ton that you start out with, and that's kind of one of my gripes about the game is that even with Diddy Kong Racing and with Mario Kart, you can normally start with like eight to ten characters. Yeah. But with this, you only have a few. You have Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, Daisy Duck, Goofy, and Pete. And that's the thing that is kind of weird about this, because if you've got the Disney property, you got so many characters that you could... You have just as many characters in the Disney property as you could, you know, like Mario Kart, where you have just dozens of player, you know, players you can choose from. Why not throw in like all the DuckTales characters and Chippendale and like everybody? That would just, I don't know, it just seems like a no-brainer. Well, speaking of ducks, you can unlock uh, Ludwig von Drake, if <laughs> yeah, that counts. Everybody knows him. <laughs> <laughs> like He's one that like if you told me who that was, I'd be like, who's that? But then you show me a picture like, oh, okay, oh, yeah, I, like, I, I know oh, who yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah, he's he's that guy. Uh, there's not a ton of unlockable characters either. One is a Game Boy exclusive, which is Huey from the Huey, Dewey, and Louie trio. Mm-hmm. The way you unlock him is kind of cool, but I wish you could do more with it. So the N64 had their transfer pack, which you could put in a Game Boy game and it would bring over some data. You know, like Pokemon Stadium made that that pretty popular. Yeah, But... um. Anyway, if you have Mickey Speedway USA on the Game Boy Color and you use that on the N64 transfer pack, that gives you Huey like right off the bat. But you can unlock Dewey, Louie, and Ludwig Von Drake. That is it. So He's the paternal uncle of Donald Duck, so he's just kind of like the great value Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) (laughs) Scrooge McDuck wanted too much money. He wouldn't sign the contract. Yeah. But the tracks themselves are fun, and they're they're based off real life locations. So, like, you go to say Indianapolis or San Francisco, and it plays like Mario Kart and like Diddy Kong Racing. And the actual gameplay is fun. You know, I'm not going to knock that, but it's just it's nothing really special to me. But it also goes into the other part of the conversation that I wanted to have with you about these games. Did Mario Kart set too high of a standard for other racing games? Well, I would say yes, but I think when you have other kart racers like this in particular, when you have a kart racer that's made by a company like Rare and they don't get to use the the whole of, you know, the Disney characters that they could go into and make this thing like you know, really cool to go in and just play whatever character you want to play, whether it's, you know, launch pad or, you know, like dozens of characters that you could put into this game. Why are you only going to do like you get Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy and Goofy. Okay. I get, but Pete, <laughs> Pete, really? I, of I, all the characters, the Pete is an unlockable. He is not a main, <laughs> but still like Pete, really? Yeah, like I get he's like a, a classic and he's like the original Disney villain, but I think this game would have been much better suited if it were not if they had more characters and they marketed it under a different name. Like say if it wasn't Mickey Speedway USA, call it like 
I don't know, Disney all-star racing yeah, or something like that, where you have Scrooge McDuck, you have Aladdin, you have out of the characters from the great mouse detective yeah. the mice from the mice from the rescuers you know like really dive into the the library of disney like you have all of them with rare's resources because rare was on fire at that yeah. time like they were borderline untouchable they could have made something that honestly would have been better than diddy kong racing yeah and it just, I don't know, it just feels like a swing and a miss because it just feels like, you know, they got the Disney license or maybe they were, I, I mean, we don't really do real deep dives on this stuff. I'm sure we could find a lot of information about this game. You know, like, was this something that you know, was given to Rare by Nintendo at the time? Be like, hey, we, we've already got Mario Kart, but we need you to make a Disney racing game. And they had like, what, like, you know, a month to make it or something like that is like... You know, it just feels like they could have done so much more, but it was just, it was just one of those things like, oh, just get it out as fast as you can. Well, the thing is, this game came out after Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah. Diddy Kong Racing came out in 97. Mickey Speedway USA came out in uh, 2000 for the N64. So uh, I feel like this game was almost doomed to fail yeah, and it's, it's very and it's in inc- current incarnation it's very late in the life of the n64 you're you're on the border of the gamecube coming out you've already got the you know ps2 <laughs> is when the ps2 out by this time i think so pretty close to it it's gonna be really hard to pull people away to play a disney themed racing game where you don't have a lot of characters to choose from there's nothing really seems special about it. I, I don't you've, know. Al- you've already got two better racing games that play yeah. similarly in Mario Kart 64 and Diddy Kong Racing. So I, 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 when I started playing this game and really like dove into it, I just kept thinking because like the game itself is not bad. Like it plays just like a Mario Kart or a Diddy Kong Racing. Like it's a tried and true formula. It's not the only game that copies it, so I'm not entirely going to knock it for that. But in playing it, I just kept thinking this could be so much better. Yeah. Like it could have really been a big deal had they. And I don't know the whole situation like you were saying, so there could have been circumstances beyond rare and Nintendo's control. Yeah. But this could have been like a huge game. Like if you announce like a Disney All Star Racing game with a, a stacked lineup, mm-hmm. I would have bought this game easily. Yeah, even if you did that now, I think that yeah. would be something that could give Mario Kart a run for its money. If you came out with, you know, Disney All Star Racing, and you had dozens of Disney characters to to play and the thing with uh, you know with with Mario Kart, you have your you know your um, different cups that you go for the different CCs stuff like that. You get you know you go get your cups. There's not really any story to it, but if you had something like this where you actually had like a, a like a campaign or a story to it, and you had your you know what do you call those the when you're racing like um, 
Uh, um, I don't even know the terminology. <laughs> like when you're going for a certain cup or whatever, you know, like you 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 have like ten different cups to go for and yeah. stuff like that. Circuits. That's what I was looking yeah. for. Different circuits of racing, on top of you know an online capability that you could do where where you could you know download custom skins for your characters and things like that like that would be a money maker if you could make mm-hmm. it just as good if not better than Mario Kart like you could do that now but at this time I feel like there were so many other kart racers coming out because of Mario Kart that it was that's an uphill battle Especially when you have a game that this kind of this bare bones at the time, like I'm yeah. pretty sure Rare did what they could with what they had. Maybe there was some contract disputes or whatever as far as being able to get other characters in the game, but it just it seems so slim. This game, this would have been better maybe as a GameCube launch. Yeah, and you you add even if it's not like of the level that we're talking about, but if you added maybe like five or six more characters and another six that you could unlock, yeah, I think the number of tracks is is fine. Like it's pretty standard given games of that era. But by that point, in addition to those racing games that I just listed, you also had Crash Team Racing mm-hmm. for the the original PlayStation, which is also you know, I, I've given that game credit in that, yeah, it follows the Mario Kart formula, but it's got some pretty cool features in it that Mario Kart does not. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel so, like, you know, the, I don't want to, I'm not knocking this game at all. Like, I, it, because I've never played it, I never even heard of it till Tyler brought it up a few weeks ago and you said you were going to review it. But just looking through, what little I've seen of it, you know, and looking through YouTube and seeing some gameplay and everything. Like, it's a great-looking game. You know, it's made by mm-hmm. Rare. It's going to look great. It's going to sound great. It's going to play great. But, like I said, it just seems so bare-bones compared to all the other kart racers that were out at the time. It, the gameplay is fine. Like, it, it plays like Diddy Kong Racing and Mario Kart 64. I'm not knocking that at all. I just wish that there was more more meat on the bone yeah if you will and i i feel like at this time if you were you know a kid of the age that would have been playing this stuff and wanted it for a christmas present you know and your parents are looking for a christmas present they're gonna get you the mario kart you know they're gonna get you the diddy kong because those are the not that you know mickey mouse is not known but they're licensed games have a bad reputation up to this point (laughs) you know like, how many good licensed games were there, especially Disney games? I mean, you had good ones on Nintendo, don't get me wrong. You had DuckTales for the NES. You had Lion King and all those kind of games. But I think it's if you're a kid at the time wanting a kart racer, you're going to go for the Mario Kart or the Diddy's Kong Ra- Diddy Kong Racing. Well, Mario Kart just had a stranglehold on that genre because it, yeah. I mean, it, it was the first it set the standard like you any game that is remotely like Mario Kart is going to be compared to it like it yeah. there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it like, I'm not saying that's always fair but I mean we we subconsciously think it if we play another racer we're going to compare it to Mario Kart <laughs> yeah even so still, I'm like I've never been a big racing game fan the only racing game I really 
play is Mario Kart. Like I racing yeah. games are just not my thing. And they're not really mine either. You know, I I played some other racing games for the PlayStation just to try to them out, but if I play a racing game, it's going to be Mario Kart and it's going to be with a group of people. Like I'll, I don't get me wrong, I'll do the solo circuits, mm-hmm. but you buy Mario Kart to play with friends like yeah. that's a is a multiplayer game exactly but but I, i'm not gonna completely rip this game because i don't think it's bad it's just it's, it doesn't have much to offer it's skinny it's not yeah it's, it's, not meaty. it's skinny <laughs> i i like the fact that it has a storyline the gameplay is safe but it's solid yeah i'm not gonna knock it for having the Mario Kart formula because it's not the only game to do that. I just wish there were more to it. Uh, Rampage brings up Cruising USA in, uh, in the yeah. chat room. I've never... I, don't, I think the only time I've played Cruising USA is in the arcade. I don't think, I don't I've, think ever I've ever played, played Cruising USA. <clears throat> Maybe I should. I think that's the one where you have the, you know, the blonde girl in the passenger seat and if you crash I think you're right. both fly out and get destroyed and then you just jump back in the car and you're good to go yeah as one does yeah. in a racing game but yeah i i like the game i i obviously don't love it if i were to give it a score i would give it probably it's like a middle of the road game like it's yeah. the, the gameplay saves it i'd say like a five five and a half i'll i'll be generous and say five and a half he said no i don't what are you saying no to rampage i don't know what you're saying no to um i should i shouldn't play cruising usa <laughs> oh he's right that is outrun i'm thinking of outrun so let me look up cruising usa real quick just to refresh my memory. oh i thought he was saying no don't play cruising yeah. usa like why oh, i haven't yeah. heard that this is a uh uh n64 game uh well, it was in the arcade um let me bring it up real quick uh it was originally released in 94 uh developed by midway uh and then it was ported to the uh the n64 and it don't have a date for that um n64 version but it doesn't say when Oh, here it is. Uh, let's see. Nintendo 64, ni- uh, December 3rd, 1996. Um, I do remember this game. I just I remember the box, but I d- didn't play it. Like I said, i never really been a huge racing fan. Um, when I was a kid, I did like, um, you know, I did like Excite Bike, <laughs> things like that. Uh, I did love RC Pro-Am, which is also a rare game. Um, but through the years, I racing games are one of those things that like it's fun for about five minutes. And then my brain, even recently, like games that just have a lot of driving, like I got um, uh, Grand Theft Auto five a couple of weeks ago and I was playing. I was like, this is great. This game is really good. But there's a lot of driving in that game. And then after a while, after a few hours, it's like my brain just says enough. I'm done. And I haven't gone back to play it since. Same with it, just racing games. Like, it's really fun at first. I don't know if this is just my ADHD or whatever, but I get so wrapped up in it in, like, the first couple of hours, and then I'm just done. 
Like, <laughs> there's nothing else bringing me back to it. Yeah, I get that way too with those types of games. Like, did you ever play L.A. Noir? No, I never did. So, you have the option whenever you're you know driving driving different areas of Los Angeles to solve cases. You can have your partner drive, and it just skips all the driving, and you get straight to where you're supposed to go. Oh, that's awesome. That's what, <laughs> that's what I would do most of the time. Like, there are some missions that you have to drive, so those I would do. But if I didn't have to, I just tell my partner oh you can drive and then it fades to black fade back in you're at the location i would love that because like playing gta 5 there's so many go get this truck go get this motorcycle bring it back here go do this go do that and you have to drive and after a while i'm just uh, it's like my brain just turns off like i don't like driving in real life i don't want to do it in video games either The only exception is jamming out to the soundtrack of Vice City. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that's great. But yeah, those are my overall thoughts on uh, Mickey Speedway USA. I know it's not very in-depth, but I mean, it's it's a racing game, and I feel like it's almost like a fighting game. Like, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if this game... I would like this game more even if it had four to six new characters and more things to unlock like new tracks and new characters and things like that yeah that seems like the kind of thing that would be great in a game like that but being able to to have tracks in known disney properties like duckburg and uh you know like uh, aladdin like what's the city in aladdin um agrabah agrabah and places like that that have, you know, tracks with recognizable things in those backgrounds, you know, those, the, the, the environment like that just lends itself to such a cool game. And mm-hmm. I don't know why they don't do that now. Like that seems like it would be a great Mario. It would give Mario Kart a run for its money. I feel like if this game were to come out on any console, it would not be Nintendo. Yeah. It would be like a PlayStation thing or like an xbox thing well since xbox owns rare why don't they go get that disney license and create a mario that would be a great middle finger to nintendo wouldn't it that would be great (laughs) that might push me to get an xbox if that happened right but uh but yeah that that's gonna bring us to the end of the episode and derek is our pretty much our resident driving race game reviewers so if you got any racing games give them to him because i i don't think i'll give racing games a good uh, a good try i i will say this real quick i had a lot of fun doing disney month and i i think we should do more theme months throughout the year i'm down with that i'm i'm totally okay with that i you're gonna hate me for this suggestion but i was thinking about this a little while ago we should do another like bad commercial tie-in review session i mean i'm okay with that i don't see why we shouldn't i think the listeners like the bad games i already know mine whenever we do it yeah i have to go back and look through the archives and see what i've done so far spend a lot of time with the burger king yeah we could let the uh figure out what our theme's gonna be and let the patrons decide yeah come up with a few options but uh, next week, we have a, uh, a guest coming on to the show, and I don't want to spoil it, but it's not going to be a normal episode. It's not going to be a review episode. We're going to do a top five list. And uh, if you're a patron, 
you know what that top five list is going to be. So if you're a patron, we need your lists. So head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and uh, take a look at that post I put up about a week ago and send me your top five lists. It's going to be a really fun episode. I, I've been looking forward to it now for weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we go, Derek, anything you want to throw out there to the people before we go? Uh, not really. Just if you want to follow me on Twitter at Derek underscore diamond and see what songs get stuck in my head through <laughs> each day, because I post usually the chorus of random songs that you know, some that. people do like. <laughs> but um, yeah, in a couple of weeks, I've I've just about got everything narrowed down for what I'm going to do uh, with the feature presentation podcast, which has been on hiatus since early March. Um, it'll probably be the show after my wedding where I'll formally like announce everything. So awesome. by then I'll have everything figured out. So um, starting to create, you know, promos and teases for the show's relaunch. So be on the lookout for that at feature press pod on all forms of social media. And uh, go listen to our uh, the last week's episode of the open micers podcast, where we talked to the mighty Andrew Heaton from the political orphanage podcast and Friday release valve. He's also a published author, poet, and political satirist. And it was one of the most fun and one of my favorite episodes we've ever done for the open micers. So go check that out at open micers, um, Twitter, Instagram, and openmikers.com. Go check it out. And Derek, is that it? Is that everything? I think that's it. So Let's get out of here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro, on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, and of course, individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We have merch, shirts, we got mugs, we got bags, we got wall art, we got stickers, magnets, whatever you want at ncrmerch.com. And of course, we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where if you keep us above that $50 a month level, we keep doing those commentary tracks for you. And this month, we did X-Men, the animated series, episodes one and two, which was awesome. And if you can't do that, can't give us a buck a month or more, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Gorsh. Gorsh. <laughs>